0: Welcome to the Dork Forest Jackie and her pals will never bore us Shameless confessions About our obsessions Will make us laugh and smile So let's explore the Dork Forest And dork down for a while Hello and welcome to the Dork Forest My name is Jackie Cation We are live in Portland Portland PDX Bridgetown, Stump Town, place with a million lawnmowers. Hi guys. Welcome. This is this is respectable. Uh, <laughs> let me just say Rumble doing the audio live, Rumble. Let's have a nice round of applause for Rumble. <clears throat> Patrick Brady, of course, gonna fix the audio and post. And uh Mike Rickberg, Sarah Cohen, just sang that song you heard. And uh we're gonna play the Mexican hat dance at the end of it, but not here get a ringtone they're free they're free uh so uh but sitting with me is local dork luminary from portland uh carrie brownstein welcome to the program thank you yeah yeah we're in portland and you're on a show called portlandia right
1: that's true but i still dispute the luminary part but i will concur on the dork part (laughs) on the dork part you're willing to own the dorkum? yeah are you going to tell everyone where you ate today Oh, my God. It was called Statler Brothers or something. What was it called? Stockdale? I think you ate at Stanford's on Stanford's
0: accident. out in Lake Oswego. I have not planned well to come to your fair city, which is full of wonderful places to eat. And instead, I went over to Fred Meyer, got myself a chicken thigh. That's what I had for dinner. I'm planning on eating at midnight. Again, somewhere hipstery. I'm hoping the bearded youth will will be there. Because after this, I'm doing a live stand-up show uh, as well, which uh, should be super fun. You guys going to stay for that? Anybody? All right. You should. You got more Portland comics and stuff. And I was going to tell you, when I had that chicken, I almost had a Portlandia-like moment where I got the hairy eyeball from some woman where she was like, you're having chicken. And I was like, yeah, it's a grocery
1: store. They sell it. It's not my fault. I'm willing to eat meat. And it was a weird. It was a weird moment. I can't explain that because I people are really into meat here. Yeah, people like meat. Isn't there a restaurant called Lardo? Yes, it's excellent. You should go there later. I'm, is it open late? I don't know. Is it? I don't know. You're going to a fancy cello thing after that. You want to tell them what that is? Portland Cello Project. Well, you guys should stay here for Jackie's set. Right. But the Portland Cello Project is playing at Doug Fur and uh do you guys know what the portland cello project is yeah oh some so, people do so they're doing two nights of, of dance music you know they have a bunch of different uh singers and i and, will i won't be dancing but people in portland dance in that and, and, and it's like way. is it a quartet or is it like a room full of cellists i want there to be like 40 cellists there's not um, <laughs> I mean, there's there's four. It might be a quintet. I don't know okay. if it's a quartet or quintet, but they are joined by multiple, you know, various singers. They have kitar,
0: kitar, which is um, a hipster. It's a ancient, ancient,
1: beautiful. It predates. What is it? It predates hipster. It's just a oh guitar. It's a guitar keyboard, keyboard oh. guitar combo. But it's not the one you blow in. No, what's that called? Um, the blow-in guitar, uh, melodica. Piano. Is that what it is? Melodica? Yeah, melodica? it's melodica. Okay. Yeah, no, it's, it's this. It's just so that somebody can play keyboards and dance. Oh, I get it. Okay.
0: Yeah, guitar. I'm in. It's, I, music is my life. I'm so sorry. Uh, you were in a great band called Sleater Kinney too, that people love. Yay, let's clap for them. That's a good one. Right? And, uh, I was gonna tell you that, uh, I had sort of, cause, uh, a lot of people were like... You're, I asked, just, you're like, Slater Kidney, not cross that don't off. cross that off. I've, I've asked that question. I've pointed that out. And But I asked on Twitter and on Facebook for questions for you. And a lot of people were like, ask her if there's anything you couldn't pickle. Ask her if there's anything you wouldn't put a bird on. And I was like, no, we've all seen the episodes. We know that... Um, is there anything that you wouldn't
1: pickle or put a bird on? I mean, I've never pickled anything. In not life. even refrigerator pickles? No, but I'm not personally pickling them. Okay, I like pickles. I do not like vinegar, though. So that's a well. That's interesting. Yeah, but I am separate from the people I play in the show.
0: Oh, yeah. right, right, because that is a fictional character. <laughs> Mostly, many, yeah. many fictional characters. Yeah. It's, so I, I, uh, I lived in Minneapolis for many years. There was a friend of mine who came to where I worked, my old day job at a hippie t-shirt poster shop but it was uh, Northern Sun merchandising if you ever make it to Minneapolis but she came in, Sally Ann Farrar, crying because she had been told uh, by an African American woman that she couldn't be in their drum circle because she wasn't black and black people invented drums and I was like, let us find let us find this black woman and let me punch her in the throat and tell her she can't play the trumpet I was like, it felt like a very kind of Portlandia-like
1: moment everyone gets to play the fucking drums in my opinion but no one should play in a drum circle. That's, I mean, <laughs> that's just, uh,
0: <laughs> fair enough. Touche, touche. Amateur drum circle, not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I also want to say this is not a tattoo. Do you guys all got this too? Right? Okay, good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> to get into the room, I was the only one that didn't. Uh, I made friends
1: with the door people. I was like, all right, I'm not gonna. No one that's listening knows what I'm talking about, but we all it's are a man, sporting a right? very giant person, businessman on our, in our arm. <laughs> Why? Why is it a per- business one? Oh, it's this? It? I just consider him a businessman. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right. So I, I, uh, I asked you what you might be a dork about and you said, Two things that I'm more interested in talking about, and you were like, but I'm mostly enthusiastic about this other thing. But so let's talk about the things I want to talk about first, <laughs> in case your podcast. In case it is my podcast, and I'm very excited about it. Because you said post-World War One British literature. Uh, I did, yeah. So
1: what is that what what era are we talking about? <laughs> well, um, World War One was nineteen fourteen and nineteen eighteen, true, although America 1917, 1918. That's right. Sure. A lot of people don't know that. Sure. Too much info. Not <laughs> enough math. You know it. Um, but, uh, you know, pre... In the Victorian era of literature, there was a lot of, you know, telling stories from the outside. You know, like, here's the setting, here's the setup. And then, of course, um, after World War I, just, you know, things got critical. And there was existential crises, and people wanted to know about the interior lives of the characters. Oh. And it was kind of considered from the, well, it's, I don't know if it was Hemingway or Gertrude Stein, but it was, you know, kind of the lost generation, and yeah. it was about these, you know, there's all these books that are kind of about these, this fatherless time. Like, there's right. all these people that are kind of, like, wandering out in the world. Um, so, like, Great Gatsby and... Great Gatsby, but um, in, I love, like, Evelyn Waugh and Somerset Mom. and okay. later in post-World War II, Graham Greene. Okay. I mean, Virginia Woolf and the Bloomsbury Group was happening during this time. Right.
0: You know, I think, uh, I've never read, uh, the first two. I've heard of them. I sure, sure I have. And, uh, I, cause post-World War I to me, Tolkien. Okay. <laughs> Lord of the Rings. That's when he was writing. It started in World War I. <laughs> he kept writing. And then I brought you a couple of books. Vanessa, uh, who listens to The Dork Forest, gave me these in Austin, Texas. And they are by a guy named Nicholas Blake who happens to be Daniel day Lewis's dad, Daniel Dad-Lewis. <laughs> that joke belongs to Mike Kaplan. He came up with it. Uh, Nicholas Blake, Daniel day Lewis's dad, whose name I can't remember, uh, is uh, was the Poet Laureate for the UK from 1958 to 1972. And these are essentially Agatha Christie novels from the late 20s. He did them to make Rent. Uh, they're, uh, Nigel Strangeways Mysteries. And in the first one, which I believe is this one, A Question of Proof, uh, he spends the first third of the book making fun of the fact that he has to write this book. And then he introduces Nigel Strangeways into it. And, uh, and so it's, they're light, but they're very interesting and they are not literature. They're, they're pulp. They're pulp. Yeah. But if you might
1: enjoy them, you, uh, that is a trinket that you may take with you. Thank you. I've cleared it with Vanessa as well. No, it's awesome. But wait. You said it's Daniel Day-Lewis's dad, but you don't know his name, but isn't this his name right here? It is not. This okay. is his nom de plume. Ah, his nom de plume. Uh, Nicholas His sobriquet. Blake. That's a good uh, oh. synonym for and nom pseudonym. de plume is sobriquet. <laughs> it's FYI. Like
0: There's a synonym for the nom de plume. <laughs> the well plume.
1: <laughs> I enjoy that. A crazy pseudonym, deal. sobriquet, nom de plume. Right.
0: Okay. Um, and then <laughs> parallelogram. Sure. But this this one was actually um this one was I think printed in 1979. So <laughs> they're I got shoes older than this. Actually, I don't. Anyway, um yeah, but it's they're from the late 20s and early 30s. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Super fun. So, like I just tried to reread The Sun Also Rises. Uh-huh. Which um I just wanted I have a problem with I love Hemingway. I mean, Hemingway can be exciting and great. But he's also, I want him to, I have a hard time with some literature where it's all this sad sack,
1: you know, get to the point, like chop chop with the plot already, but do you feel like Tolkien is chop chop to the plot? (laughs) Ooh, an
0: excellent point. You can skim the poems the first time. That's what I'm just saying. You skim the poems the first time and then you read them just when you're alone later when you read them. It took him like eight
1: books to tell one story.
0: (laughs) It's a really good story.
1: <laughs> it is a good story. I will, you know, I don't know if I've read anything but *Lord of the Rings* by him. Oh, you oh no, read *The Hobbit*. I've only read *The Hobbit*. Oh, okay, and *The Hobbit* is more of a children's book than than,
0: um, than than *The Lord of the Rings*. *The Hobbit* is well. I mean, it takes a very dark turn at the
1: end, of course, but well, we don't have to discuss *The Hobbit*. It's fine. It's uh, but the uh, so but have you read a lot of Hemingway? I haven't read a, a lot of Hemingway because I mostly prefer. I mean, I have read. The sun also so rises. For whom the bell tolls, and Old Man in the Sea. That's it. That's it yeah. for Hemingway. That's uh, two more than I have. Okay. Yeah. But I feel like I've read most of Somerset. Mom, oh, I get kind of completist. Totally in a separate realm of literature. Most of James Baldwin or Virginia Woolf.
0: Okay. Those are those guys are good. Have you read them? You know, them? I have. You know, I have been recommended to read James Baldwin. Uh, almost every year, I have a friend of mine who's like, that's a surefire way
1: that you'll never read anything. I know
0: it, I've been given books. Like, it's, it's almost, I, when I give somebody a book, I'm like, no, no, read it, don't read it, light it on fire, fuck it, I don't care. But, well, no, I
1: mean, but it's, there's a contrarian urge, I think, that, uh, develops when you keep hearing, you yeah. know, read this person. I like, it took me a long time to read Dave Agers because everybody said, read yeah. Dave Eggers. and then I did, and I thought he was amazing. Right. And, um... What's your favorite Somerset mom book? Um, probably Painted Veil or Vile Bodies. Or, yes. Okay. No.
0: So you've read all of them, so you're like...
1: No, you know the, which one what I have What should I start with? Um, uh, well, start those? with Of Human Bondage. Of Of Human Bondage? That's the one that everyone reads. That's like... It sounds I think it's cheerful. Phil, Philip Carey, that's the protagonist in Of Human Bondage. Am I right? And he has like a club foot, and he goes and he, he's an orphan, and. Okay. Yes, it's, it's is epic. Is it
0: Oliver Twist
1: meets the elephant man? What the hell is it? Uh, give me, give me a Hollywood pitch. Okay, well, first of all, he's in, he, <laughs> it's a kind of a romantic, he's, he keeps falling in love with kind of these, this, there's kind of this sad character. Okay. That he sort of keeps people, okay, Somerset Mom, Okay, I'm gonna go to another story that I okay. think you'll relate yeah, to yeah. more. Better, better, better. Here's a plot heavy one. Painted veil. This woman marries this man that she doesn't love. They go to a foreign country. She has an affair <gasps> with another man. Right. And I don't approve. There's a murder plot.
0: And then there's a murder plot. Yeah. Okay, that
1: sounds exciting enough for me to have read. Have you guys that. read that one? No. Okay.
0: All right. Have you guys read have you guys read any Somerset Mom? See, see, I am not alone. But we all want to be better people, and that is one of those books that we should. I mean, those are no, no one cares. That,
1: no one cares about these books. No one cares about. But
0: Virginia Woolf is. She's like she's sad sack too, right?
1: I mean, they're. Yeah. Okay. The, the waves don't start with the waves, but the waves. <laughs> um, the waves has this beautiful quote where she's like, "When we sit together close, we melt into to each other's phrases. Yep. Um, we po- we form an unsubstantial territory." It's beautiful. It's all these characters. It's just like this. It's very uh, stream of consciousness. See, I I don't mind
0: stream of consciousness, and I don't mind uh, sort of an exploration of our minds. Sun also rises. I just wanted him to just... Everyone he met, I wanted him to go, touch it. Just touch my crotch and see if it works again. Because that's the Hemingway book where his penis doesn't work because he had a hard war. But, uh, the, that's the, that's what it is. That's what the plot is. But, um, so, but the, it's all this internal journey about why his penis doesn't work. And, and that's post-World War I. Because before that, it was the sad stack books that I genuinely dislike were like Wuthering Heights. Which was like 1870, where I was like, fucking date her. Don't, don't not date. Don't spend 30 years working on revenge, right? I mean, it just seems, I get mad, is what I'm saying. The scarlet letter, but re- I wanted that woman to move. But don't you think revenge, I mean, So Make friends with the Indians. Die of exposure. Get away from
1: those people. They're toxic, man. <laughs> <laughs> but how But how can you not appreciate revenge as a trope in, in anything? Oh, yes. <laughs> I think I've spent most of my life trying not to get
0: revenge. Okay. So, I mean, I always want my heroes to be better people than me. So whenever it's an examination of something that I might... Oh, I could see myself doing that kind of thing. Where uh, you're like, "Oh, that seems mature. Why don't you get it together, Jackie?" Because I'm always putting myself I'm very much I put myself in the situation. You know, did you ever read Conan? Not Conan O'Brien, Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> no, I <Okay>.
1: have. I <laughs> feel it's a like I it was written right around then as well. <laughs> you know what I feel like I one thing that I read in in junior high that reminds me of that title Conan the Barbarian but was very different was Clan of the Cave Bear. Oh yeah, which is total very tawdry. It's disgusting. I just remember the word <laughs> her mound. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's oh, the kind of stuff that really tra- like traumatizes you for life. Oh, it's burned also, into your. Also, VC Andrews totally traumatizing. That was available in my elementary school, like sixth grade, and I didn't just stop with um, flowers in the attic. It, it goes there's there's two more stories after that, right? Like a thorn in your side or is there a slick fold being discussed? ooh, a slick fold.
0: Yeah, that's how the vaginas are usually described in romance novels. Wait, slick or slit, slick that is really valid. yeah, yeah, it's super, super moist,
1: and you're uh, like, oh, uh, you can't unread some shit. you just, is what I'm saying. <laughs> you just drop to the moist bomb on us. <laughs> She had a moist mound, I bet. <laughs> that's like the grossest, that's the grossest sentence in the English. <laughs> it's not a good one. But, but um, have you read V.C. Andrews? I, I have seen the name, but I have not. What, <laughs> what did V.C. Andrews write? Oh, flowers in the Attic, did you guys? It's Oh, Algernon? No, oh. not Flowers for... It's, yes, it's just like Flowers for Algernon are it. there developmentally disabled people doing it? Yes. Yes, there are. It's, it's a story about a mother, a horrible, horrible mother, who locks her children in an attic. Um, I think because oh. she's trying to get uh, an inheritance, and she won't get them if she has children, so she keeps them in the attic, and she slowly poisons them with arsenic. But the, the two older, four kids... And the two older kids end up having a relationship. So it's a story of incest. Then if you read the subsequent books, they end up, I think the the younger son dies of arsenic poisoning, but the daughter, whose name is Carrie, um, <laughs> oh man, survives. You know how when you're a kid and you hear anything with your name, you're like, I oh, love yeah, that yeah. sexist song about <laughs> right, thirty <laughs> year old lusting after a fifteen year old. That's my name. I totally relate to that. I wanted like, to
0: wear a pillbox hat.
1: <laughs> yeah, like there's this Joni Mitchell song, Carrie. It's like. He's a mean old daddy, but I like you or whatever. I'm like, I love this song as a kid and just dance around to it. So anyway, there was something about I think Flowers in the Attic having this character, even though they were going through horrible abuse. Um, right. But it's a very popular book, and it's it is
0: it is that. And I've seen that that name in every airport in the world. V.C. Andrews. I feel
1: like. It's not available in airports anymore. Anymore? Maybe, it might have been banned from airports? <laughs> I would be embarrassed to be reading a V.C. Andrews book on but a plane. But people read that Fifty Shades
0: of, of beating each other up while they have sex. That, uh, isn't, isn't it all about bondage and, and whatnot? I haven't read Fifty Shades and of Grey. And I things. have read a great deal of crap, my friends. I am not above I am not above the crap rating. Okay, so Fifty Shades
1: of Grey is fan fiction from Twilight, right?
0: Right, it's, that's how it started. That's how it started. And uh, now it is its own Fifty Shades of Interminableness, because there's like six titles, I believe. I'm pretty sure that there's Fifty Shades of various colors. And, and there's going to be a movie. And it's going to be a movie. Yeah. Why wouldn't it be? Let me tell you something. My drum circle plot, <laughs> nothing, nothing. The fact that I wanted to do a movie with me and Wanda Sykes where we both work at Target. <sighs> Sure, I get no love, no love from that. Bank robbers smash in at closing time, and we def- we foil them using Home Alone tactics
1: I and s- plastic items. From the, I can see how the- there's an intersection between sci-fi and drum circles. <laughs> like I can see oh, yeah. that that's part of a, a plot. Oh. Like moving the plot forward is just a group of people. <laughs> if
0: you go far enough into the future, you're in the past. <laughs> it's Cloud Atlas, man. Uh, so what? Here's the other thing: sociolinguistics. I mean, there's many things on this list. She has a list of dorkdoms. You're, you're a diamond. You're a multifaceted dork of many colors, like Joseph in his coat. But, um, but what is sociolinguistics?
1: Um, sociolinguistics is, uh, the study of the relationship between language and society. Oh. Um, which makes sense. You know, if, if you're inter- what, something that I'm interested in is, is discourse analysis. And, um, I've studied a lot of computer-mediated discourse and the way we interact with people, um, as it's, you know, mediated through technological
0: devices. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So essentially is, is why, why and how people interact, like back in the forum days up to Twitter and all
1: on to just emails and. Yeah. And, and I think the main thing, tenant of sociolinguistics is that it's descriptivist instead of prescriptivist. You know, a lot of, um, you know, linguists... No, no,
0: I need those two words defined. Okay. It's it's
1: what... Well, so prescriptivism is how people should speak. Okay. So you have the grammarians who, you know, are worried about, you know, begging the question being... You you know, people say, like, oh, that begs the question, meaning, like, that conjures the question, but actually that's a, you know, it's a rhetorical... You know, the people that really get into the nitty-gritty of things are, like... um, And that's called preschool? Yeah, so if you say, well, you know, we shouldn't say a lot of slang and things that come into our our language you know people push, when people use the word literally wrong right exactly okay. that, and people have really gotten lax about that i feel a little um a little torn with literally because it does bug me a little bit when people say like i literally died and you just think if you're saying that <laughs> you didn't but, but so that's, uh, you know, to, to many extremes, pers- you know, prescriptivism is just somebody that's saying, well, you should speak like this. This is the proper way. But, of course, language is so elastic. And, right. you know, our, we wouldn't be speaking the way we are today or have, you know, poetry or the kind of colorfulness of language if we didn't allow for that elasticity. Right. Um, so with sociolinguistics it's a lot of it is, disc- you know, it's descriptive. It's how people speak. It's not trying to determine... Um, what people should say, but let's actually look at the ways people are saying. Let's are look actually at, speaking. you know, code switching, which is the ways that, um, we use different registers. So you, know, so you might, with your comedian friends or your sci-fi friends, speak in a certain way, and then you speak to your parents in another way. Or if you know Spanish and English, you're code switching between these different registers. So, right. this stuff is just fascinating to me. And, are, um, I, are, are there books that, like,
0: uh, uh, do you read as a hobby sort of, are there are there people that you follow on Twitter? Are there are there books that you've read? Are there things that you? Is there a web comic
1: that you check every day? <laughs> I don't um, know. <laughs> well, um, you can read. Um, is it pretty dry stuff? You can read Foucault or you can read Pierre Bourdieu. Um, he has this a great book called. Um, um, language and symbolic power, which, um, and he, I'll put it
0: in the notes. Okay. Okay.
1: So, you know, he has this great thing about the linguistic marketplace, you know, that, that, um, the way we speak, there's a currency in our language, um, you know, and certain kinds of, um, communications have more value than others. He's pretty interesting. Just a, a real, like pop, uh, culture guy, um, is Stephen Pinker is a real accessible guy that you can read uh, language instinct is a great starting point for okay. sociolinguistics um but it's fascinating i mean if you use you know any any technology or you know just communicating with your friends like i feel like sociolinguistics is a completely palatable very relatable subject to be interested in and now i really sound like a dork talking no, about this own it like i've really like we were like yeah let's talk about world war one lit and i just named some authors that i like but now i just am like melting yes. and like i want to get under the table okay, yeah it, i would say you know like uh jeffrey number steven pinker like ch- you know check out check out those guys um Because the way Chomsky, but he's less of a a sociolinguist. Um, But there's there's a lot of uh, accessible stuff out there that I find really interesting. Um, Deborah Tannen, William Labov,
0: and are they talking about the evolution of
1: the language or the evolution of way of the ways we communicate? The ways we communicate. So that's the socio part. Um, I mean, obviously, there's plenty of facets of.
0: like going from letter writing to telephone calls, is that?
1: That's, am I getting it right or no? Yeah, so that would specifically be a little more more into discourse analysis, and you know, looking at the ways that the form has led the um, dictates, I guess, the language or how um, orality uh, has an influence on the written word.
0: Okay. Yeah, because if it's spoken, it's going to be much more casual than if you have to write it out longhand. Mm-hmm. And then if you're texting, you're just using the letter U.
1: Right. So, okay, I get that. And, and, and certainly the ways that we communicate via text message and on Twitter has affected the way that we write, you know, and, and it's become uh, highly casual. Right. You Somebody know? actually said the words out loud to me, I have feels wow (laughs) yeah really it kind of mimics this this sort of short attention span that we've all come to rely on like you know where um you know we sort of appreciate this brevity yeah and and i think that we've always appreciated brevity but now there is this sense of like a human bandwidth you know and you kind of like you feel like well that's full i have so much going on that you you know people are truncating their words it's almost like You're grateful for the little amount of time they're taking up in your life, which is sad. That is, it tightens up. It's like, if
0: you could just tighten up that sentence and say it again, that'd be great. That's, (laughs) that seems like such a bossy fucking thing. Anyway, so yeah. Well, that does sound fascinating because, you know, I just had a guy on Kurt Brown, Brown Oler. Kurt Brown Oler, a very funny guy, but his thing is psychogeography. And what he likes to do is he likes to take somebody blindfolded into some weird part of New York City and, like, ten people as a group. And then you have to find your way back. And you can't use your phone and you can't bring a map with you. You have to figure out where the hell you are. And he'll, like, stick them in the middle of the Bronx or in some, some. There, I guess there's a park in Brooklyn that you can't see
1: anything from. So, so wait, psychogeography is just a euphemism for kidnapping. Right. <laughs>
0: It seems to be really rude, but everyone, uh, everyone, uh, commits to it, and then what the psycho, uh, the, the, it might be socio. Really, Jackie? Anyway, so, uh, but he, I think it was psycho, because it was, um it was like where the natural leadership comes in, because somebody has to be in charge, right? There has to be a leader who goes, we're all gonna go over this hill, and we're gonna look to see what we can see. And so the, it's, it, 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 it's all interested about community and all this different, the way that we interact in a, in a weird, stressful situation that is artificially created. And you could bail on it at any time, but if you commit to the game, essentially. It's essentially a, like a LARP. It's a live-action role-playing game where you're just like, all ten of you have put out somewhere. And he's trying to do it in Los Angeles, but it's hard with the car, you know, because then you have to drive someone far away and there's no public transport that doesn't take three hours
1: to get back to wherever you might want to be
0: yeah that's a good story no it is a good story
1: it just sounds it sounds scary but i trust kurt so i'm just gonna
0: right well that's it i mean it's a trust game for sure because you have to trust that kurt isn't going to bring you into like the bad part of the bronx at like twilight and then hand you a gun with no orange tip so or whatever. I mean, like he's not going to set you up <laughs> so that all of a sudden you are beaten to death. Of uh, now, you did give me okay. So I like the idea that you like dogs. I'm a dog person myself. You are? Do you have any dogs? Uh, no, I've always wanted a dog. I used to walk the dogs in the neighborhood. I, I, I wanted the, My parents hate animals, and I wanted the dog so bad that. And this is true. And I do it as a joke, but it's a true thing. Is that I told my parents that I wanted to be blind. So that I could have a dog when I was nine years old. And my stepmother burst out laughing and said, we still wouldn't get you a dog. We get you a stick. You could name the stick. She actually said that because she's very funny and genuinely mean. And, uh, and uh, but, she, but so what I would do is I would offer to walk all the dogs in the neighborhood. And uh, people were psyched. Yeah. Yeah, they were like, thank God, take them. Take them. Go. And so I, I used to walk Misty and Pepper. And uh, they were perfectly nice dogs. A Lab and a Mutt. A little uh, wiry kind of terrier Mutt. Pepper.
1: It's yeah. um, What kind of... Have you always had dogs? I had a dog growing up named Buffy. <laughs> my mom named her... Uh, she was buff-colored. And my mom was very creative. Literal. <laughs> very literal. Um, and But I have two dogs now. To- okay. Toby and Cricket. But I, I have to say, the dog affection is—it's uh, a kind of a complicated thing because I, I get very annoyed at dog people. I mean, poor, you know, I, I did some um, after Slater Kinney broke up. So yep. we played our last show in Portland in August, and then I immediately jumped into intensive volunteering <laughs> at the Oregon Humane Society. Um, you
0: said that's how you dealt with your grieving. <laughs> it is. It's how I dealt
1: with my grieving. By just cleaning up dog shit in kennels and taking them on walks. Um, and then I also started training dogs at um, a private facility here. I was the assistant trainer and at the Oregon Humane Society. And I oh. logged in so many hours that I got volunteer of the year and just, it was very intense. So I, I feel like I'm a little bit inured to just that kind of like dog fanaticism, like when people Get really crazy about their dogs. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just animals. But right. I am. But you yes. also want to hug them a lot. Dogs don't like being hugged. Oh, is oh. <laughs> dogs don't most like being dogs. Hugged. Most dogs. I mean, <laughs> a lot of people would send us at the Humane Society like they'd adopt this dog, and then they would send us pictures of their kids hugging the dog, and their dog's eyes would be like popping out, and just sending us like a message that was like, please bring me back to the shelter. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, not every dog. Some dogs are fine being hugged.
0: No, no, hugged. some dogs are fine being hugged and some dogs don't like to be hugged. Is yeah, that just the deal? like, huma- like, like, like humans. people? Like
1: yeah. people? Yeah, like some people don't wanna, don't hu- I'm I'm not particularly... I was thinking, you know how on the East Coast, um, you know, you do the kiss instead of, and it's very West Coast, maybe you're from the Midwest, is it also Midwestern to do the hug? No. Okay, no. cause I realize that actually a hug is more intimate than that, cause you're just pressing your whole body up against somebody with a hug, and I actually, I've started to realize, like, spending more time on the East Coast, that there is something a little more informal about just a... Just sort of that French kind of... That kiss, it's because you're not touching anything, and you're not pressing your body, so I... Right. I I feel like maybe it's weird. There's a lot of
0: hugging in Los
1: Angeles. There's a great deal of hugging. And also that weird thing where you hug someone that you just met, like... Hi, nice to meet you and a hug. I think that's overstepping,
0: right? I always tell people uh, like when I see somebody that I've met for the third time. It's usually the third time when I'm like, we can hug it out. We can hug it out, and then, but if they're with their husband or wife, I'm like, got to meet you a couple more times. We're just going to shake hands, and because I have uh, social skill problems, and uh, I say everything that that. That's why I have a podcast. Because I'm just with the it. I'll just say it, and uh, because I I like I mean I'm it's not that I'm not you know affectionate and I'm not happy to see people, but okay so my husband Andy his dad dog trainer trained uh, bird dogs for field trials from horseback. I have a
1: bird dog. You have a bird dog. Yeah. Which one, Toby or Cricket? Toby's a German Wirehaired Pointer mix. Okay. And during my more fanatical stages with him, I did start researching like. Even though I don't shoot guns, mm-hmm. how could I get him to be a... Like, could I just rent him out as, like, a gun dog? Turns out he's horribly afraid of loud noises. <laughs> um,
0: and, like, but does he, he point just yes, naturally? It's, it's beautiful. Yeah, he points. That's neat. Because uh, uh, he was such a mellow dude until anybody did anything to dogs. He was yeah. like, it got really... He got very, very angry.
1: Yeah, I I have a disproportionate amount of tears shed over animal, like yeah, any animal torture or um, that movie with Paul Walker called Eight Below. What is? <laughs> or just that? it's the worst movie. But my friend and her, their kid took me to this film. Yeah. And it was just like, do you want to come to see this film? Because you know, it's like I thought it was just going to be a kids' film, but it's right. just it's about Alaska sled dogs. But with Paul Walker. But uh, he was crying in the film. I was crying. There's just we're, a lot of... Are the sled dogs... Is there trouble? Yeah. Of course there's trouble. It's a movie. And a, there's... Oh, sle- oh right. <laughs> but, but no dogs were harmed in the filming of the movie. I mean, I'm assuming they weren't. I mean, right. No, sure no, no, no. Was I wasn't crying because movie. they were, like, being... Oh. I just, you know, tragedy struck. I can't, like, just think, like, spoiler oh, it's... Spoiler alert. Yep. Spoiler alert. They Most of them live.
0: Okay. Well, did you see Homeward Bound? Yeah. Yeah. Because I'll tell you something. When that Irish setter, when they thought that I, I was sobbing, sobbing, and my four-year-old niece comes up to me and pats me. She's like, it would be okay. it would be okay. And that just made me cry harder. And Because uh, she had seen it clearly because she was four uh, dozens of times because she was a toddler, and that's what toddlers do. They watch the same movie over and over. You know, they don't show Old Yeller or Sounder anymore. Nobody's, nobody's showing their kids those films anymore. I don't know if I
1: saw Sounder. I it's... saw Milo and Otis.
0: Right, but Sounder and Old... <laughs> you... <laughs> Look at the, what is the two of you. Is Milo... I never saw Milo. Is that with uh,
1: Michael J. Fox? And I don't think Who does, so. there's, there's voice. No of... he, there's really no... Oh, is the, the voice? He's the voice, Michael J. Fox?
0: Yeah, I think I saw that. It was a buddy movie, but dogs, right?
1: A dog and a cat. Oh, a dog and a cat. Yeah. I've only seen parts of it. Or did you see this thing on the internet where there was this <laughs> cat that... Um, I think his name was Wasabi-chan. No. And it was um, a cat that had been, a kitten that had been attacked by a crow. And so it had to have a feeding tube. And the owner was like, oh no, you know, the cat's going to claw at the feeding tube, but it's very crucial that it gets all its nutrients. So she knitted it, these little like mushroom hats. And so the paws were all contained <laughs> in it. And I mean, clearly she didn't need to, Knit it into the shape of a mushroom. <laughs> it was a like a
0: kitten onesie?
1: Yes, it's very cute. Oh, okay. I highly recommend just a little internet stroll. Oh, yeah. Oh, and I yeah. know this, people listening to this podcast will be like, the literature thing boring, the sociopathic no. thing boring, oh, and then they'll God. be like, wasabi-chan kittens. Because
0: no, what we've done is we've gone the gamut. Everyone likes to, they like to know about like the dry uh, nonfiction they can read, right? And they like to know about the literature that they can read. And now they get to know about a YouTube video that's <laughs> adorable, right? I mean, who doesn't want to go watch a cat on a, a thing getting in a, in, a, in a onesie? I do. Uh, I'll, I'll watch any, all animal videos. They all get a million hits. Yes. Uh, except for my animal video, which is just about uh, how you should put your cat down. Anyway. Um, do you hate You hate cats. Uh, I don't hate cats. We have many, many feral cats in our neighborhood because, uh, two houses down from us, there's a woman who likes to be called cat. Her name is Kathy. I remember when we first moved in, she was, she allowed us to call her Kathy. And now it's just cat. And, uh, she has, uh, she has a cat and then there are feral cats and then she sadly, very sadly, got breast cancer about two years ago and didn't get some kittens fixed. And now there are at least seven cats at any given time. Andy and her, when she is in remission, well done cat. Uh, and But she, um, her and Andy caught like 12 cats and took them to Fix Nation and got them fixed. And then re-released them into our yard and they use our garden as a, a cat box. That's too bad. <laughs> it is, but they're very cute. They're good looking. And Andy has named them all. There's one, there's Jet, there's Skulk, there's Lurk or whatever. The, I don't know. He's named, one has half a white spot on his face and he got what calls him Mustafa Halfstache. And and the only one that they have yet to cat, catch is the tomcat that keeps impregnating the loose fucking cats. And I call him I
1: Papa K Rico. And you said that you don't like revenge stories. <laughs> <laughs> see, that's what I see. I don't want to read what. I,
0: what I like is I, see. My theory is that I am not the hero. Uh, I would like to read someone who's a better person than me. Is uh, is right, right. what you I tend to more than anything. Are you cat people too? Do you
1: also like cats? I I'm okay with cats. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm allergic to cats. I don't mind them. I don't like the the litter situation is untenable. I mean. But you gotta pick up dog poop and that's okay. Yeah, but it's not in your house. It's true. And, and it doesn't stink. There's something about just, no yes. matter where you put the litter box, like you can put it in a far flung, like basement corner <laughs> and the cat will still bring the litter back upstairs oh, and yeah, sprinkle pet. it across your floor. And right. then you are just, you can never be barefoot. It's just a constant yeah. exfoliation right. of, the, of the pads of your feet. on it's a like couch. a sand trap. And then it's in your bed. It's just, it, I'm, it's really gross. Yeah, it isn't, it isn't good. And then they, they try to sell litter that's like not that clay litter. You know, they sell like cedar chips and corn. Oh, right. Corn? Just, yeah, just like a, a corn litter. And that's just grosser because then you're just associating like a food smell with a shit smell. <laughs> you are correct. That yeah. is foul. Um, I, yeah, I've never yeah. So no, I mean I I think cats are they're very pretty. They're, they're very pretty. They're very yeah, pretty. Thank you. And what I like about the half a dozen feral cats in our neighborhood
0: is that they don't want to be pet, yeah. but they they're they're fine with hanging around. We got a string and a and a piece of wood. They're constantly lurking. Andy put up a bird feeder, which I think is just cruel. Yeah, because there's a bird feeder, and then they just all hang out
1: underneath the bird feeder. Looking at the birds. I also think it's interesting that cats are the only pets. Like, people will love their cat but still call them an asshole. And <laughs> and I think that that's, like, that's kind of cool for cats. Right. You know, they're, they're owning that. They get to be moody. Because if you had a jackass of a dog, wouldn't you get rid of them?
0: Potentially, yeah. Yep. Because do- dogs can, I mean, dogs can be... Like, I have a friend of mine who has uh, a pit bull, and she's a very big advocate for pit bulls, right? And and her dog, her pit bull is the sweetest dog in the world. But that dog has been tortured. I mean, you can see all kinds of scars on this dog, and it, I almost burst into tears when I saw the damn dog. But uh, his, his name is Angel, and uh, he is very, very sweet. But he has been tortured, and so you think about dogs that have been tortured. He could snap, conceivably, right? Because people can, I mean, you... Torture a person, you know, you gotta deal with some, and it's a dog. I'm sorry, it is not a person. It cannot process, you know, we have an iguana. We have a 16 year old iguana named Tiberius. He's not mine. I didn't get him. It's not my... <laughs> but he didn't just show up there. Right, Andy got him. Andy got him when he was little. Very little, very tiny. Cause somebody impulse, somebody at his work at Sony PlayStation bought three iguanas on impulse. And then uh, day two was like, I can't have these. And so Andy took one, some other guy took one, and that guy kept his. And the other two guys killed their iguanas within uh, two months. And Andy has had his iguana for f- 15, 16 years now. <laughs> Congratulations. Yes, and they live to be about a million. So we are in for the duration with the iguana. <laughs> but they have tiny lizard minds, right? So when, when I have him out in the garden, because he's out in the backyard out of his kennel, Pad pad padding around, you know, hiding among the squash, and uh, <laughs> but he'll lurk. He'll like he'll he's like a cat in the fact that he wants to be wherever you are. Be- I assume it's because he's cold blooded and I have heat. I don't know why. Um, I mean, because I, I, though Andy insists that it's because he's nice and he likes to be around people, and uh, but only one time did he get aggro at me and he kind of charged and uh but he's a very slow lizard uh, so it was a very deliberate charge i had much warning <laughs> and i had a shovel in my hand it was a, was it like a 3 hour event <laughs> it was it, it was like watching speed 2 where where someone is running at you with a knife for an hour and a half. And so, but what I did was I took the shovel and I put it in front of my foot. And so when Tiberius got to the shovel, he looked at the shovel and he was like, well, thank God she's gone. (laughs) And he just moved the hell on. Right. And, And so, but then I moved the shovel and I went over and I was working in a different part of the garden and he did it like twice. And I, you know, I'm like, we're done now, you and I, I'm not going to let you chase me around my own backyard. So I put him back in his kennel and, um, but he did bite Andy one time, but they don't really have teeth. They have two rows of cartilage. And so what he did was he grabbed his, his, his hand and then turned his head, which is how they rip uh, leaves and stuff. So Andy had like a row of cut hand. It was not cool. I would have gotten rid of the iguana at that point, but... Uh, he's attached. He's attached. They're on board. I don't know why this story happened. <laughs> I yeah. You yeah, got I mean, anything?
1: <laughs> I'm fascinated. I mean, I've never... I don't know anyone that owns a pet iguana.
0: No, okay. Yeah, I mean, I knew a guy in college who had, like, a snake that you had to feed rats to. But is your husband a trench coat
1: wearer? He wants to be. He genuinely wants to I be. I can He's, see that now. Those, like, long black co- def- like You know, you know when coats? I met him, uh-huh.
0: he had a wizard beard.
1: Yeah, okay. It's making more sense now. And there are pictures the, of him with all
0: one length full down to the middle of his back Did he that beard? It was all twisty
1: and weird. Yes, okay. And, uh... If you had said that, I would have asked if he had a pet reptile, but...
0: Yeah, Danielle Koenig, uh, Jimmy Pardo's wife, uh, she said, she said, who are you dating? And I said, Andy, he used to, when when we met, he had a wizard beard. She was like, deal breaker. And then I said, and he has an iguana. She was like, total deal breaker. Why are you with him? And, but here's the thing. The first time he kissed me, he said, is my beard scratchy? And I said, you, it's your face. You get to have a beard if you want.
1: And then the next time, uh, he had shaved off his beard. That's like beyond scratchy. That's just like an apron or some kind of like creature down there.
0: It was a little pointy. It was, it was more of a goatee with a point. You know, when you first meet somebody, you see them. And you're like, ah, oh, they look weird. And then by the third time you meet him, and you're like, oh, that's what that guy looks like. And it doesn't matter anymore what they look like because you're like, oh, that's what that person looks like. And um, and it turns out he's much better looking than I've ever needed. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't. I don't even. I don't even know what that means. But I mean, like, he has an excess of handsomeness. He's, he's like, more handsome. I don't than... need all this handsome part. <laughs> he could have been much less better looking, and I would have still been involved. Because sometimes I see pictures of him, and I'm like. Good Lord. That's You're very like a, handsome. I mean, that's which a is, good
1: feeling, though.
0: It is. I mean, it's, it's a win. It's a, you know, it's a positive, you know.
1: It's a win. In the, yeah.
0: I'm going to interview you now.
1: What the heck? <laughs> no, I, I like that. You, I mean, I feel more comfortable asking you questions.
0: <laughs> it's another origin story.
1: Uh, I have, well, I tend to weed
0: off... <laughs> I think it's why Greg Proops does the podcast by himself. Because, um, but I, I do want so. uh Portlandia starts shooting again next week, right? We start pre-production. Pre-production, so mm-hmm. not even. Yeah. So and uh and you live here, right? Here in Portland, I do. Yeah. Do you have chickens? <laughs> no.
1: Okay, <laughs> that's one of my stereotypes. That's what I think of when people live here. A lot of my neighbors have chickens that I can hear, and my neighbor. Also have a wind chime that I recently described as aggressive. <laughs> My, Andy has two moms mm-hmm. and they have a wind chime collection. That's completely aggressive. It's so, it's very disturbing. People don't realize that it's just, it's a, often it? atonal and it's, it is kind of free jazz.
0: Um, <laughs> Right. Do you get free chi- uh eggs from your from your neighbors with the chickens? You ever get eggs? No. I I think if you had chickens you should give
1: neighbors eggs. Yeah, there is one neighbor that has like a little like, you know, sign and I just I don't bother with You don't the, want to be Yeah, enough. no, it's it's fine. I don't really eat a lot of eggs. That's oh, why fair it's enough. not it's yeah. not because I'm um thinking like oh they're not being generous or they're no, weird. No. They're very nice and they're and they have built beautiful little
0: they're good like people. Hutchins? But chickens.
1: No, stink. that's for a rabbit cages. No, sure. in Coops, 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 coops. Um, there's so many uh, different animals like rabbits. They have hutches, right? Okay. Do they have okay. rabbits? No, rabbits. Rabbits are weird. Rabbits. I feel like you just get one and it goes into a wall and you never see it again. Like it doesn't <laughs> want to be. It doesn't want to be around people. I don't think. Right, but do you, people raise rabbits for meat. Yes, I visited a farm once where people were raising rabbits for meat, and they had that little, it's like a little funnel where they put the rabbit down and cut the... And that little guillotine moment? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, No, I don't have chickens. No.
0: But they, rabbits pretty good, though.
1: All right, i am over here. I'm making myself sound like I'm a vegetarian, like, oh, I don't eat eggs. I I really like eggs, I just don't cook anything. And you're pro-lardo. Right? That, that, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. pro Lardo. You pro that.
0: What other restaurants do you, what, what, is there a restaurant I should definitely go to?
1: Uh, that, that, uh, are we, there a couple of them? Well, you're, are you staying in Lake Oswego?
0: <laughs> yeah, but I'm not gonna stay there. Okay. I gotta
1: get out of Cause there. I don't know yeah. any place, any, any restaurants out there, but if you're...
0: I'll tell you what's out there. There's a Denny's, <laughs> there's an Applebee's, and if I were a deer in search of a salt lick, I would go to either one of those, or the Olive Garden. Olive Garden, yeah. <laughs>
1: I kind of miss the Olive Garden. I went to college in a small town and I remember Olive Garden and Red Robin both being really exciting for the bottomless features. Right. (laughs) Um fries, salad. All the Yeah, yeah. Everything's bottomless
0: at Olive Garden. But have you tried to eat at a red lobster recently? Not no. 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 Because everything tastes the same. It's all being cooked in the same water.
1: Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) That's that'll create some silence. Hi, guys. Okay, I'll tell. I'll Uh suggest some restaurants to you. Okay, Screen Door is quite good. See, I feel like you'll wait a long time at Screen Door, but it's it's. But what if I get there right when they open? If you get there a half hour for breakfast, if you get there literally, I'm not even joking, thirty or forty minutes before they open. So people are lined up. Yeah. Oh, I don't care enough about
0: anything for that. Okay. (laughs) There's a there's a place in Austin, Texas called Franklin's Barbecue. I know, I know. That everyone was like, You gotta go, but you gotta wait in line for about forty five minutes to an hour, and I'm like, stop talking. We're done. We're done talking. I'll go have a sandwich somewhere else. And it's not that I don't like barbecue. I mean I, I just I don't think I'm not
1: a stand in line kind of person. Yeah. Okay. Because there's
0: gotta be a nice um, you,
1: could, you could just go to the carts down on thirteenth. I've been to those
0: carts, but I'm anti-cart because i i like to sit down like a lapsed christian and have someone come into my table and
1: okay I, and, uh, i'll tell you two places okay that are good that don't have as many as much of a wait okay one is on killingsworth and it's called podnas p o d n a h Oh. and it's <laughs> amazing it's, a hit. it's if i feel i'm mad at myself for even saying this we should probably cut it out of the podcast but <laughs> i you can go there and not wait and they serve an amazing brunch Sure. Um, also, there's a place um, called Smallwares, which is on Fremont, um, and they—you can also go there and not eat. I mean, not eat. Don't eat there. Don't eat. There. Absolutely, not eat there. Up. You can it's go there nice. and not wait. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like LA. Just go there and they'll take away the food before yep. you get it. Yeah. Um, but you kind of have to. You do kind of have to seek out little places in Portland that aren't going to be jam packed, because I think that there's no restaurant that's worth waiting an hour. Like I'm very angry at that point.
0: Right. Um. I just uh, do. I have to eat before I go out to eat. Yes. Because then I have low blood sugar, and then I get grumpy. Nobody wants grumpy Magoo fucking sitting at their thing. Anyway, but the Mike Reaper. Rindberg- I like the term grumpy Magoo. Sure. I'm. I want to write a series of children's books about the Magoo's. Uh, Chatty Magoo, Grumpy what, Magoo. Wasn't there also already Mr. Magoo? Mr. Magoo is. He is not the patriarch of the Magoo clan. Okay. Uh, there might be uh, a
1: copyright issue. With the Magoos? Potentially.
0: Potentially. Potentially. <laughs> I don't think, uh, since I'm a, a huge procrastinator, I don't think I'll be writing or drawing a children's book. So uh, what I can do is I can just talk about that in the Wanda Sykes project. I'm also not pitching. Anyway, <laughs> so anything else? Oh, yeah, I got a novel. Anyway, so do you, okay, so are you are you still writing music? Are you still what are you doing
1: yeah musically I work, right now I'm mainly working on Portlandia we're, right. we're writing, um but yeah, I am working on some music.
0: I love it when you sing in
1: Portlandia. It's always fun when there's a musical interlude Thanks. that's um, all
0: that's all you had to say well played okay, okay and then so are you writing what do you what do you what are you doing music what do you what do you what would you like to do? do you still practice
1: yeah, I play guitar pretty often is it is it something you do to kind of chill out a little bit or is it is it
0: practice?
1: No, well, it's both. Um, Okay. Kind of to chill out. I don't meditate, so in order to sort of get into a place that feels kind of lucid, um, I either hike or I play guitar. Because in both situations, you can kind of zone out. Like I usually, and when I go hiking, I don't bring my phone, which might sound, it's not dangerous. I don't know. I think if you grow up in the Pacific Northwest, you don't have a fear of the woods. You know, like people that- Did you grow up here? I grew up outside Seattle, so yeah, I've lived in the Northwest my whole life. So, you know, people come here and you know the woods are very scary to them, the same way that people that grow up outside cities find like that urban environment more frightening. But I, yeah, I have no problem, you know, being out in nature. And I didn't have a cell phone, you know, when I was. 20. When you were growing. Oh I yeah, mean, <laughs> when I was growing, yeah. But um so but it's more um not for it's just to disconnect a little bit from the, you know, checking my text messages. You know how like it's a uh, muscle memory with your phone now where just every couple minutes you're almost doing this like loop. It's like I don't have my phone on me right now, but if I did, I would just be like a security blanket, just reaching just to see if it's there. And then once you pick it up, there is that little loop that you do. So it's like you first see that you have a text message, and then even if you've just looked at your email five seconds before you email, Twitter, like, and then you're in that little th- cycle right, and again. Then Fifteen to seventeen
0: minutes have gone by. That's why I have. Um, I appreciate you not bringing your phone out, quite honestly, uh, to the uh, in front of the live audience.
1: Oh, would because people have? Oh yes. Oh yes, I'm not gonna That seems rude. I will say that seems rude. It I seems mean a, unless yeah. I was gonna be using it as reference, like, oh I wanted to show you something, but well, I'm gonna still. show you this cat video, that's amazing. <laughs> that would have been annoying. Or yeah, or no, nah, I don't even have it in my it's, pocket. Yeah, I mean when I go
0: for a walk and I don't do you hike up something or are you just walking? Both. <laughs> okay. I don't I don't enjoy an incline. I don't mean to <laughs>
1: I, I too much I about enjoyed, my setting I enjoy an incline and a decline.
0: And a decline. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm fine. When you grew up, were you was it uphill both ways
1: when you grew up? No, I, I I'm a generation after that. Oh fair yeah. enough, fair enough. <laughs> um, no, I mean there was there's logic to my childhood. I don't yes. I, my my stories of woe and childhood hardship have nothing to do with uphill both ways. <laughs> That's such an outdated. Isn't that seems like such an outdated way oh, of yeah. describing your walk to school? Also maddening, and that, that is such a fallacy. Like that's impossible.
0: Right? It is not. It, it's, it's unless you mo- unless impossible. you went
1: to school and your family moved while you're at school. <laughs> <laughs> further uphill do you do you know that my when uh, my family
0: moved when my when I was in kindergarten and my sister was in uh, second grade we moved during the day and my brother Scott who was in i believe 4th grade was supposed to get her and dig her to the new house and he forgot because he was he was 9 right so my sister who was 6 walked to our old house and we had moved it was genuinely like a caricature of 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 a moment with your therapist And, uh, and don't think she doesn't milk it. Oh, that's,
1: that's full on abandonment. It's full on some abandonment issues. Someone just groaned, you have been abandoned, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. That anyone, I mean, I get it, that's, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it in a negative way. Abandonment abandonment is wonderful, that was great for your family. No, it's nice. You know what it does, it's it's self-reliance, it creates self-reliance.
0: She was the only nine-year-old who would look at the real estate uh, section. For real. You know, like at the grocery store with those grainy, uh, newsprint pictures of houses, she would look at them and go, I'd like to live there. And I'm like, are we living with you? No. Just me in my own home. And, uh, yeah, she had, uh, she's, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, yep, I weeded us off again, didn't I? So, you, uh, are on Twitter, of course. You're on the Twitter and, and the, and, and it's Carrie underscore Rachel. hmm And so people should follow you on Twitter. People should watch Portlandia, and people should uh, follow you around when you're playing your guitar. What is your favorite guitar? Let's 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 leave them on that because you said you had some favorite.
1: you, You there was definitely a favorite guitar. I have a 1972 Gibson SG that is my current favorite. Um, although it's kind of my perennial favorite, it's the one I go back to. Um, although it's one of my only guitars now that doesn't have a vibrato bar, which I've become kind of accustomed to using. Um, but it's the playability is very apparent. The action is very nice. Um, the frets are smooth. I have I've been playing a lot of Rickenbackers. They tend to have almost kind of a sticky, uh, like tackiness to the yeah. know, the neck. Um, and I find that the playing can be kind of more terse and angular. But there's there's a nice smoothness to the sgs that i have and specifically that one um that if i'm just playing alone in my house yeah is very conducive to just kind of getting into um you know just kind of a moment and, um, and if i'm trying to you know practice things or work on um technique or anything that's the guitar that i that i go back to and it has a nice tone
0: a 19 so it, it came out in 1972 it's mm-hmm. like a classic guitar it's a classic guitar. Gibson's still making guitars, correct? They are. Thank you. Alright. I uh, I'm sorry about that. I uh, no, it's fine. Yeah. I mean it's just... but it's because was... why would I know? I don't know. But uh the uh but so they do, do the new ones is
1: that something they're known for? Is that sort of smoothness in the frets or mm, well the the SG I find okay, so Gibson I would say is most known for the Les paul, which is this very heavy guitar. You like could, physically heavy? Yes, th- physically very, very heavy. So the S G is a lighter guitar and it has like to uh almost like horn it has these oh, things you've probably yeah. seen it oh yeah yeah because oh, i yeah. played guitar hero yeah so it's that one <laughs> okay. so. then you so then you know how to play and you know exactly sure, what I know exactly yeah no i mean it's but wait do they have that as an option that is they do have that as yeah. that
0: guitar is is i mean they it's have the fun. classic rock and roll guitar and they also have that triangle one the, oh uh, the triangle
1: one like the flying v yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So it's I find out of all the Gibson's, um, that is one that is more playable. The other ones are very heavy, and I'm not. It's, yeah, you have to be strong, right? I mean, because yeah. you have that. I thing, mean, but I'm it, strong. <laughs> no, no, but <laughs> no, I mean, no, but yeah, no. You, it's it's hard. I mean, for years when I would tour, I would go to these, um, you know, massage therapists and acupuncture people that were just like, oh, I can tell. You know, they work with. People that are, like, working at their desk all day and playing guitar, you just get that kind of curved... It's very... Yeah, it's, it's not... Well, because the not strap healthy. is holding most of it, but it's... I mean, even when I have a backpack on, yes. um, it's just heavy. Yeah.
0: So you would want a lighter... It's like, in other news, uh, it's been an hour. How,
1: how are you doing, Carrie Bernstein? I'm good. I like how esoteric this conversation was, I hope.
0: Did you guys enjoy how esoteric this conversation was? <laughs> The show, right? Okay, so you know what the hell's happening. You know that it meanders and that it talks about just stuff we love. It's dork on dork dialogue. And uh, I'm one of the dorks. So um, you've chosen wisely listening to the Dork Forest. And uh, thank you so much. Vilmos, of course, fixes the website. And Mike Rickberg is going to sing the Mexican hat dance. And uh, thank you, Carrie Brownstein, for being on the program. Thank you very much for having me. And you guys take care of each other out there. Thank you. Good night. And by the way, I I have T-shirts and CDs if you want them. I have – if you didn't get a Dork Forest magnet, you can have a Dork Forest magnet. I also brought some green Dork Forest mana if you want me to sign a a Magic the Gathering mana card. I don't know. That's weird that someone asked me to do. Yeah. Okay. Thanks a lot, you guys. My hat. My hat. My hat. They're dancing around. My hat. (laughs)